1: Inventing tomorrow starts now. And here are your hosts, Vanessa Alava and Sue Robinson. Hey everybody, it's Sue Robinson. And it's Vanessa Alava. Please subscribe to the show and leave a quick rating and comment wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It only takes a few seconds to do
2: and we really appreciate your support. So we thought we'd try something a little different this week. And we want to share from time to time women inventors throughout history. So today I want to share with you guys Ada Lovelace was essentially the first computer programmer due to her work with Charles Babbage at the University of London in 1842. In fact, her notes were an essential key to helping Alan Turing's work on the first modern computers in the 1940s. So way to go, Ada Lovelace. Look her up (laughs) in your free time or Google and get inspired. And today we're actually talking about education and the amazing new technology of virtual reality. Absolutely. Um,
1: I have a toddler at home. Uh, I know many other parents have children of all ages that uh, they're trying to balance that work from home slash also uh, kids going back to school struggle that is very, very real. So uh, today's topic about VR for education is very timely and um, we get to learn about
2: how VR is shaping the future of education for our children. Let's do it. Today's Boss Babe works for one of the most recognizable tech companies in the world, helping to bring virtual and augmented reality into classrooms. Vanessa and I are so excited to have Facebook's very own Monica Ares on the show today. Monica, thank you for joining us. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. I am thrilled to be here. The honor is ours to have the opportunity to talk with you today and learn about all the cool things that you're doing with Facebook Education Partnerships. So why don't you go ahead and just give us a little bit of your background and how you came to Facebook and some of the things that you're working on. Absolutely.
0: So I currently work at Facebook where I lead Innovative Technology for Education, which just means I focus on finding all sorts of solutions and product fit to uh, some of our newer technologies like augmented and virtual reality in ways that they can help us learn and teach a little bit better. Um, Of course, if someone had told me way back when that this is what I'd be doing for my career, um, I absolutely never would have believed them. One, because the technology didn't even exist back then. So I think it's crazy to think that I wouldn't have been able to even read about it or learn about it at that time. And then of course, too, because at the time I was a happy actuary. And so the path that led me here was one that Uh, really just kind of meandered and crisscrossed all over the place. Um, I graduated college at a time where consulting firms were coming in and plucking math majors out, and Deloitte came and said, hey, do you want to be an actuary in Manhattan? Um, And I thought, I have no idea what an actuary is, and I have never lived in Manhattan, so absolutely, (laughs) sign me up. Um, Overall, it was an adventure. I got to wear suits every day, and and I loved living in Manhattan. Uh, But in my third year there, they came and they said, hey, would you be willing to participate in a corporate outreach? uh, It was a corporate outreach program, I think is what they called it, um, where we would go into schools and we would talk to students about the importance of staying in school. And so I was happy to talk to the kids and teach them lessons, but what I wasn't prepared for was uh, when I walked out, I just felt really saddened by the fact that I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of teaching and learning going on. So I really thought back to what it was that got me excited to learn. And I think it's when we brought technology into the classroom and suddenly we could model things and make things turn three-dimensional and find movement in nature. And it just came alive in a way that got me really excited. And so I was wondering why we weren't doing that for the younger grades. And um, I think it's the first time in my life where I recognized that I really wanted to be part of that solution. So out of curiosity, I visited other schools. I saw that this was, uh, you know, sort of a universal problem across many schools, and so I did what made a lot of sense to me, and absolutely nobody else in my life at the time. And I quit that that awesome job in the corporate world, and I wanted to graduate school where I could learn how to develop curriculum with newer technologies and teach. So I was able to teach after that math um, and astronomy to middle and high school kids, which was a blast. I loved every minute of that. But I felt like most nights I would spend hours and hours trying to create these lessons that were visually rich and engaging and tied the real world to what we were doing. And I only had 2D surfaces. And I found that very limiting. I ended up moving into the ed tech space, uh, first started working for Amazon education, and then moved over to Facebook and uh serendipitously, in my second week at Facebook, someone handed me a virtual reality headset and said, hey, try this. I just want to give you a demo. And the second I put that headset on, I knew that it was the exact medium that I needed for the kinds of lessons I'd always been struggling to create.
2: I, I wonder if you could take a moment to explain to our listeners why virtual reality and being immersed in a lesson is so much more effective as a way of teaching, because some of our listeners may never have tried on a VR headset.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we always learn better in, you know, with a spatial capacity. We learn so much better by exploration and by actually being able to do things. And so you think um, you know, even historically when when doctors had to learn about the heart, they'd have to go through hundreds of pages of cross sections of the heart. Now you can just pop it in front of you in virtual reality or even augmented reality and see it and all its functionality as it moves kind of in that that space that includes motion and being able to turn it around and walk around it. Um, We're finding still it's you know, it's on the newer side of really getting into the education space, but that it's not just good for visualization and exploration, but it's really good uh, for. Helping you walk in someone else's shoes, which is building empathy in a way that you can't always get when you read a book or when you hear something anecdotally, but to to physically embody someone from a a different age, race, or gender, or walk through a different time period, it resonates with you in a completely different way. And so we are definitely finding that obviously training, medical training, especially those who have gone through a virtual reality experience for training are, are just so much faster at learning the, the process, because you end up building the muscle memory as you do it. And so it sticks with you in a different way than trying to really just gather bits and pieces through reading books and watching videos and sort of the traditional manners that we do it.
1: I've got a couple of questions for you, Monica. So the when you got to
0: Facebook and someone gave you that VR headset, that was your first time? It was. And you know what I really love? Even when I put educators in headsets for the very first time, I mean, one thing that became so apparent to me was, oh my gosh, we can play with time travel. We can play with scale, right? You can go out and, and float around the universe, or you can shrink down and explore something in a microscopic level. Um, and of course, the ability to to walk in someone else's shoes, these were all things that as educators, you always struggle with, with traditional materials. And so most of the time when I put someone into a headset, they, they pop out with a whole explosion of ideas of where this technology can be useful and how to use. And I think I, I was no different. That's one of the most exciting things about working in an XR space is it, it never gets old
1: seeing somebody in a headset for the very, very first time. Yeah, and exactly. Seeing, seeing that reaction as you <laughs> so vividly expressed. So what are some of the um, reactions and feedback that you're receiving from schools and educators that have adopted this in their classrooms in conjunction with the traditional methods. You know, how are the children reacting? Um, You know, are there significant uh, changes in even grades, you know, and how they're absorbing
0: information? I think what I love about it is it's probably kind of similar to when something like PowerPoint came out and you start to recognize that now there are different ways to show how you think. And so when students get in there, um, they love to play the games. They love to learn that way. But what really happens is they start to want to express what they see in their own heads in this medium because it's so different than any 2D surface that they've had to express themselves with before.
2: As much as we think of putting on a VR headset as being sort of an isolationist experience, it really, I think, brings people together because when they come out of that, they're saying exactly what you're saying, Monica. You've got to try this. That was incredible. And they want to talk about it. Are there specific subjects that you see it really take off in? Like, is it more um, math science versus like a language arts or is it just across disciplines?
0: It's across disciplines. Uh, and that actually was, was surprising to me when we first started, started off on this endeavor. You know, we were given funds to really throw stuff against the wall to see what stuck. And so it was a little bit of an experiment that we were all kind of excited to, to explore and recognize that in just about every single Uh, category of the way that we want to teach and what we want to teach, there are really valuable applications of virtual reality, especially um, students with special needs were able to curate worlds that really help them the way that they need to learn. Um, all the way up to corporate training, right? And so it's it's been really neat to see the entire array unfold. And of course, like you just mentioned, which is really important that um, we often think of this initially as sort of an, an isolating experience, but we're now able to develop and build in the social co-presence within the headset and have people join worlds who wouldn't otherwise be able to connect and meet up in a space. Uh, I recently took a demo class that was on anatomy and We all got to go in, and as the professor was explaining all the different pieces of our digestive tract, we were able to actually hold these 3D models and pull them apart and put them together, see how they connected. And so whereas before I knew where the stomach went, I could put it in a 2D model, this experience actually allowed me to figure out what angle the stomach is when it's in the body in order to get it in there. So suddenly when you add that different dimension, you really think of things differently, but I took this class with people from all over the world and we did group work and we broke into different, you know, smaller groups and spoke through this. And and in the end, when I popped out, I was like, you know, it actually really felt like I was in the class with them. And uh, the capabilities were so much greater to explore in 3D. And then we could pop into even different 360 field trip type of environments. Um, It just really kind of opened up the way that we could learn with anyone from anywhere at any time.
1: It reminds me of the old school um, pen pal at school situation where you would find a pen pal at, in a different uh, state and write back and forth and ask them what they were learning in school, etc. cetera. And this is just that on extreme steroids, obviously, yeah. <laughs> where you can connect with classrooms all over the world. What type of careers are going to come out of this that you can see
0: um, as a possibility that people can study later, you know, when they get to college? I think the challenge is that many of the skills that we need to succeed in the tech industry, they're not fully taught through traditional pathways yet. So even like coding, it still isn't standard in most K-12 schools. Spatial computing and AR and VR, they're so new that most people don't even really know how to teach it. Um, So it means you do have to be pretty self-motivated to learn some of these skills. There are tons of online classes. There are great boot camps. And the good news, too, is that... um, a lot of employers are already starting to recognize that those who've gone through boot camp or done a lot of these classes online are just as qualified or even more qualified sometimes than those with computer science degrees. So, again, when we think about education, it's not necessarily technical skills, it can also be design or, or something creative, it can be community management, uh, marketing, partnerships, legal, developer relationships, education. I think that. If you start with what you love and then you look for ways in which it fits into the tech space, uh, you're guaranteed to find that connection somehow.
2: You beat me to my question because I was going to say, you know, if a young woman or young man is saying, I want to get into this space, what do I have to be good at? What's the answer to that? And it just, I think you just answered that. They have to have a passion and a curiosity and an openness to learn.
0: Absolutely. This whole industry is, has just kept me so curious. I think more importantly, what I I just want to encourage everyone again, regardless of the field to go into this, is that um, there are still a lot of biases in the tech industry and and they can show up in our products sometimes. And so we need to change that narrative by having a lot of voices, a lot of different backgrounds of expertise um, to help make sure that we drive it to a really positive place.
1: I agree completely. Diversity and inclusion, we talk about that so often, not just because this is a a podcast created by women and, you know,
0: empowering women, but um, in general. Yeah, absolutely. Also, even just the actual uh, physical building, like the design and innovation. And I'm sure you guys probably have heard the story before, but like even just the, you know, Historically, uh, women were, I think it was like almost 50% more likely to be seriously injured in a car accident because it was teams of men that were designing and engineering cars and seatbelts, and so the crash test dummies were, were male, and um, you know they were safer for the average male. But but many women, especially pregnant women, were were not faring very well because they weren't being designed and tested with the average female body weight and size and proportions in mind. And so, luckily, that started to evolve as more women voices got in there. Um, even internally for us, uh, we recognized that Oculus initially caused a lot of motion sickness more in women than in men. And so they started to do testing and they recognized that women were a lot less likely to want to buy these headsets because it just wasn't, it wasn't as great of an experience for them. And so they started to look into it and they recognized that again, like most women's faces are shaped differently. Our eyes are a different, uh, you know, with the part. And so in order to create, um, our, our headset called the Oculus Go, this was released a couple of years ago. They actually decided that the best way to win women over was to hire women. And so they brought together a team of, of, of both male and females and both from the software and hardware sides to spend more than a year working together to build a new headset that appealed to both genders. And the result was, was fantastic. It was a creation of this new headset that included features like a double strap in the back so you could fit your bun or your ponytail through it. and that's when they also started to really introduce more of the social experiences so friends could enjoy hanging out together, watching movies together, that it wasn't just going to be a gaming device. And um, I just think it's a great example of how it's so important to include women in these decisions um, across every single level from the design all the way to the execution of the hardware.
2: Do you see more young women going into this field? I mean, are you seeing growing numbers of women entering the technology fields that you've been a part of?
0: I think so. I think it's, again, it's slow moving, which is always so frustrating. Um, and I also think it's one of those strange problems where it's like, we actually need more women in tech in order to get more women in tech. It's one of those crazy things where the problem I think becomes exponentially easier to solve once we've begun to solve it. And so right now I think there just needs to be this giant push where we do have to recognize that, um, you know, women in leadership is so important. And not only does it change sort of the health of the whole industry, but it's also important because that's how we get more women at the table. We get more women to be part of these product designs. And um, I think it is slowly changing. I think we still have a lot of work left to do. Um, I think it's most important that we don't forget to extend our hands back and bring the other women along, right? It's my hope that I kind of envision like a staircase that. Women everywhere create the staircase where we're both reaching back and we're also being helped forward by by our sisters and our allies and, and all of our supporters. I think a lot of times
1: Women not entering this type of field, there's a lot of misperception of needing to have a, you know, we talked about it, a science degree, a math degree, um, you know, not seeing, you know, their past experience as a value add, um, which is so important to talk about,
0: and we hope to bring awareness to it. So um, it's it's definitely needed yeah absolutely and again i hope a lot of these conversations i still find happen within the 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 women's group the women's leadership conferences Um, i hope that we start to you know these start to kind of go out beyond just the closed off women's circles and that um, it starts to become a broader conversation and again the men and the allies and everyone who who recognizes that this all needs to be a giant staircase effect across everyone in the industry Hey, everybody. Sam McLean here from Inphase Audio, audio producer and editor for the We Get Real AF podcast. I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast, encouraging women and girls to step into emerging technologies and celebrating the accomplishments of those who do. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at McLean Sounds or check out my website, inphase.biz. Thanks for listening.
2: So tell us what is one of the coolest things about working for
0: Facebook? Everyone there is brilliant and just you know fun to work with, but we are also able to have the time and space to pursue. Almost more of what I would call passion projects, where you get to figure out what makes sense and you can start sprinting towards it and, and bring people with you. And we constantly have hackathons where we're able to take a, you know, a couple of days off and everyone tries to build something new, find a solution for a pain point that we're having, unblock another roadblock in the industry. We all have the option to kind of push the boundaries just a little bit and increase the sphere of what we're doing. And make it bigger and better and help more people along the way. And so um, I I think it's it's one of those things that I just feel a lot of freedom, uh, a lot of opportunity to create and innovate and the support to do it. And just having their support
1: to work on passion projects and helping you get to where you want to be and bring that into the company. I mean, it almost gives you like skin in the game.
0: Absolutely. And it's a true platform to do something bigger than yourself. And I think that's always such an important thing to ground you and to to make sure that you're you're doing what you're doing and developing for the right reasons.
2: I'm curious, Monica, what your if you're looking into the future, peering into the future, what do you think the classroom of the future will look like?
0: Right now we are all learning by looking at our screens. We can connect to all the world's information and each other, but it's all through the screen that we're looking down at, hunching our shoulders over. I hope that what happens is through the AR glasses, we actually get to connect with the same information and more as well as each other, but you know, kind of right in front of us, uh, present in the world as we're going through it, getting the information as it's surrounding us. And so we will no longer have to restrict ourselves to these 2D screens and surfaces that, that we are currently interacting with a lot of our, our information on, but that it will just become more of, of how we actually live and interact with the world and each other in it.
1: Can you unpack that a little bit of like what that literally looks like in your head? Is that more so like wearable technology where we're not looking through a screen, but like that wearable, whatever it is, is projecting something into the space around you? Um, How does that look in your head? I'm curious.
0: Yeah, so for example, it would actually look like socially acceptable uh, common glasses that you wear right now, and but there would be the technology built into it that would allow you to experience AR where you were. So imagine you go to visit the Grand Canyon and you have AR, you can look out and it might overlay all the different years and what you're seeing across all the different levels of the Grand Canyon and the dirt, right? And so it might give you some extra history or information that you're looking at, um, Right now, you actually probably see it most commonly in some of the... Um like the astronomy apps where you can hold the phone up to the night sky and it kind of matches the stars and overlays the constellations, right? And so that's a very simple example, one of the earlier examples of AR. But now instead of having to hold your phone up, hopefully you could have the glasses and and you can look up and see that. And so as you walk through your world, whether you're traveling and you want directions and it puts the little arrows out for you, or you want to learn historically what happened in that moment and it pops open a portal and you're able to walk back through time and see what it looked like. Almost like a filter. In, yeah. your, in your glasses. <laughs> awesome.
1: All right, well Monica, is there anything else that we haven't covered that you'd like to discuss before we get into our
0: lightning round of questions? For the educators, don't be afraid to teach it just cuz you don't know it yourself. Mm-hmm. It's okay if you're not fluent in it that we still have this responsibility to help our students, and you know, these are the the although the jobs don't exist right now necessarily, or they're very few. These jobs are going to be um, in high demand. Anyone who has these digital skills and who's able to actually work in the AR and VR industry um, coming out of college are going to be in high demand. And so, let's not do a disservice to them because we might not know how to teach it. Know that we can facilitate it. That there are resources out there that they they are fluent in technology. They're going to pick it up quickly. But make it be a journey where you continue to support them.
1: All right, lightning round with Monica Harris. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> All right, Monica, finish this sentence for us. Women are? I would say women are the complete package. Um, I think women bring together the suite of magical characteristics like passion and intelligence and adaptation and care and gratitude and courage and empathy. And and I know we're still underrepresented by leadership, but, um, I think studies are starting to show that the organizations with a higher percentage of women at the top, they perform better and they meet their financial targets at a higher rate. And and they're just more likely to have engaged and inspired and satisfied employees. Absolutely. I I support that message.
2: Yeah, I do. (laughs) In fact, the next time my husband looks at me and says, why did you do that? I'm going to say, honey, it's because I'm a I'm a magical package of characteristics. Exactly. (laughs) I like that. I'm going to use that one (laughs) Okay. What are three pieces of advice that you would give your younger self? Well, I think one as
0: I've kind of already spoken about is um, like the best things in life are sometimes in the periphery. So, uh, you know, I was brought up in a time where you sort of had these like three options for careers. I was like, you can be a doctor, a teacher or a firefighter. And I, I sort of set my mind on these bumpered paths that were really straight. And and for a long time, I was going to be a pediatrician for sure. And I worked really hard to get there. And I got in for pre-med, um, got to do this cool internship right before I started pre-med in college. And It was great until I realized that like blood and stitches and cuts just made me super squeamish. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then I I was like, it's okay. I'll desensitize myself. I'll do it anyway. And and I started and, you know, organic chemistry was really hard in pre-med. And I was always a student who could just work harder and get better grades. But Orgo was hard for me in a way that. That it shouldn't have been that I was like, this is just not doesn't feel right for some reason. And of course, in parallel, my math classes were fun and engaging. And we were having these great conversations. And I think it was the first time I gave myself permission to like, recognize that there are other paths that the path doesn't have to be straight, it can fork, it can turn. And I think once I learned that lesson for myself, uh, probably a little bit later than I wanted to, then it really allowed me just kind of, again, lead with the curiosity and the passion and not to be scared or fearful of of those things. So I think that's one. But, you know, leading into the the second one, I think I wish I could have told my younger self um, to find meaning in the stress, right? And just to like lean into some of those uncomfortable feelings that surround taking risks and being daring. So I always had this crazy fire inside me for most of my life, which took me a long time to tame because um, I think it just took me a long time to realize that nervousness before a test or even before a public speaking engagement was actually just adrenaline that helped me perform better or that fear is a precursor to courage. Um, And so feeling uncomfortable when it comes to taking career risks isn't always something you have to run from or fix. It's just a signal, I believe, um, that you're about to transform yourself into something great. So another lesson that took me too long to learn, but, but happy that I finally figured it out. And I think the last one would probably just be to always find passion and purpose um, to keep learning and evolving. So I've worked through many different areas doing many different things. And when I get to work on something that aligns with my passion and purpose, it feels like I can literally do anything. I think I reach a spot of calm focus where I can work for hours without realizing time has passed, or I get to have conversations with people that just release all the endorphins. Um, and it makes me look forward to work every day. So obviously not every project will be like that, but I think the important thing is to remind myself just to find ways to navigate back to that space because that's where the doors open. And and I think the greatest impact can be made. So um, that and just recognizing that you never actually arrive. I always thought there was like an ending point in career or like age or, you know, there's always like this point I had to get to and then I could plateau, but that's not true. We just keep growing and evolving and learning and getting stronger all the time. And so um, this is like a journey on a long continuum.
1: Those are all so, so, so wonderful. I love the first one, like giving yourself permission. That's deep. That is so (laughs) deep. That like digs into
0: layers. (laughs) What is your current favorite application of tech for good? You know, I have to admit right now, I think during this moment of COVID-19, it's just all the incredible Facebook and Instagram lives and programs that people are creating. Um, I love that this giant global community has come together because people who have talent and expertise—they're um, giving themselves, right—and they're they're spreading their knowledge and their art. Um, Yo-Yo Ma plays violin for us every day, and Mo Willems has taught us how to draw. And people are come together in concerts, and they're they're doing what they can to help us all get through this. That, to me, is one of the most incredible applications um, that I've seen come out of this this really difficult experience to help us all come together. And just looking across the spectrum of the ways that people have now started to use this technology to not only help each other, uh, but to spread some of the the resources, the help, the knowledge, and the support, um, to me, is is
2: incredible. What issue do you most hope that technology will help to resolve in the future?
0: Uh, Boy, I mean, I think it's kind of along the same lines as I was saying, like feeling socially present. I just think as it evolves, um, it's going to allow us to communicate and connect with each other in ways that you know, it's already made the the world feel a little bit smaller, but I just think that it will bring the world even closer. Um, And with that element of social presence that that we're still missing from our technology and picking up the phone is great, but to really be able to feel present with someone as we communicate, as we learn from each other, as we connect with each other, um, I think that that is, is something that I really hope technology can help us solve. What inspires you? Oh, a lot of things. Um, I get inspired by my kids all the time, just their natural curiosity and the way that they see the world and the questions that they ask, you know, they probably ask 6 million questions a day, but then within those, you're like, geez, I never thought of that. Or I never saw something that way. And so um, I think that's extremely exciting. I think recognizing that, um, you know, when we see pain points, not to just get frustrated with them, but just recognizing that there are probably solutions out there for creative enough, if we think hard enough about it and, uh, the one thing I've always just had inside me that I've loved either as an educator, someone in ed tech, as a parent, um, as a friend, is I just really like helping people feel inspired, whether it's understanding the way the world works a little bit better, uh, whether it's connecting them to their passion, whether it's helping them there with their career growth, um, making sure that I'm, I'm always part of giving back in that sense, um, I think brings me more inspiration than just about anything else.
2: What would you like to learn more about?
0: I, I've had a, a long love of astronomy and space. I was a kid that went to space camp twice when I was little, and I got to teach astronomy in a planetarium for a little bit. And something about understanding our, our peace uh, in this gigantic, crazy universe that still we know nothing about Um is really thrilling to me that like, here we are living and we're all going through this crazy humdrum of life, but like we're part of something gigantic that we can't even explore and we don't really understand. And so what does that mean? Like what else is out there? Um, but I think every time I think about it in that sense, I get, you know, sort of the, that effect that that we're really small and fragile and um, that it's just a really interesting thing that we're even here. Very true. Describe the future
1: in one word. Uh, Hopeful. Always
2: hopeful. (laughs) Monica, fill in the blank. Blank like a girl.
0: Ooh, lead like a girl, right? We shouldn't be trying to lead like men. I think we bring something so unique and valuable to leadership um, that should never be overlooked or forced to change. So women, let's lead like a girl and make this world a much better place. Yay. Yay. Awesome.
1: (laughs) We so appreciate you being on the show and for giving the time to chat with us today because it's been such an um, inspiring conversation and uh, you've had just a wonderful journey. So I'm so
2: glad that we're going to get to share it with everyone. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Get Real AF. We're excited to bring you the voices of amazing women and girls who are shaping the future for good